Welcome to the latest edition of the Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. In this episode of the Maritime Minute series, we'll be taking you on a short journey through some of the most significant and interesting stories in the world of maritime that happened during the month of November. Casting our minds back to the first week of November, and we saw major container lines continuing to invest some of the vast profits they are making in the current market. With the disruption to ocean shipping supply chains, some shippers are turning to air freight, and shipping lines are now looking to get into that business as well. AP Mollenmersk announced it was buying German freight forwarder Senator International in a $644 million deal. Senator has its own air freight operations, with 19 weekly flights across its network. Maersk also said it was buying two B777F freighters and leasing three B767-300 cargo planes to be run by its Star Air Operations. The Senator deal is expected to close in the first half of 2022. Competitor line CMA-CGM has already set up an air cargo operation this year, and November saw the French carrier buying back a 90% stake in a Los Angeles container terminal it sold back in 2017 to pare down debt. The $2.3 billion deal sees CMA-CGM acquiring a 90% stake in Phoenix Marine Services from private equity fund EQT Infrastructure 3, making the French line the sole shareholder in the 2.5 million TEU capacity terminal. As to just how much money carriers are making in the current market, we will be coming back to those figures later in this episode, so keep listening if you want to know that multi-billion dollar number. Unsurprisingly, the high levels of profitability for container shipping have drawn new entrants. However, based on comments from Port of Los Angeles Executive Director Gene Soroka on the queue of then 73 box ships waiting to berth in the ports of LA and Long Beach, it would seem some have not best planned their entry into the sector. He told CNBC. 23 of these ships are our regular callers, 10,000 container units and above. Those are the workhorse vessels traditionally in the Trans-Pacific trade. The balance 50 ships are smaller than that 10,000 TEU size and represent many of the 10 newcomers to the trade this year, plus at least a half a dozen retailers that have decided to charter ships to bring them in. Many of these folks did not have reservations at the ports of Long Beach or Los Angeles, even after they loaded cargo and the vessel began its journey across the Pacific. A lot of those folks are waiting for vessel space that had been normally taken up by our regular callers. Moving into the second week of the month, and the COP26 summit on climate change was into its second week in Glasgow, which would see some significant announcements for shipping. Some 19 countries signed the Clydebank Declaration to set up green corridors, zero emission shipping routes between two or more ports. In a mission statement, the signatory said that they aimed to support the setting up of at least six green shipping corridors by the middle of the decade. Explaining the significance of the declaration, Lloyd's Register CEO Nick Brown told Sky News. 
Well, what they mean is that we can now start to put real large-scale demonstrators, zero-emission vessels, into service by the middle of this decade. As we talked about a few months ago, we think we've now got the technical solutions to actually create and build the world's first zero-emission ships. And these pathways, these green corridors, create the necessary connection between the production of green fuels and the arrival of green ships. So like we've seen with zero-emission vehicles, zero-emission cars, we avoid this chicken-and-egg situation where we haven't got the ship technology at the same time we've got the fuel technology. So a really important declaration signed by those 19 countries today. Efforts were also made to involve those who will be at the sharp end of decarbonisation in shipping, seafarers, The Just Transition Maritime Task Force was announced at COP26 and its founding members include the International Chamber of Shipping, the International Transport Workers Federation and the United Nations Global Compact. Stephen Cotton, ITF General Secretary said, We know that seafarers' expertise will lead green shipping's transformation and we look forward to working in the task force to push forward concrete, tangible solutions to decarbonise the sector in a worker-led just transition. The first meeting of the task force is expected to take place in December. Meanwhile, with all the talk of supply chain disruption, the Port of Rotterdam discussed a number of different aspects in an online media briefing. The impact of ultra-large container ships of 24,000 TU on landside operations is an issue that is often brought up and was quantified in detail by Hans Nagatal, Director of Containers for the Port of Rotterdam. He explained that a 24,000 TEU vessel called a Rotterdam could see some 10,000 TEU being handled by the port, equating to around 6,000 moves. And to get those containers to and from the port, he said, You have an additional 10 trains, 2,000 trucks, 28 barges and 5 feeder calls with the current splits which we are having. And obviously, the more cargo is being handled, it puts more pressure on the different modalities. We do see that the coal sizes are increasing as well. So due to the fact that there is limited vessel capacity available worldwide, we do see that the coal sizes for a Rotterdam coal is increasing and it has already increased because of the bigger vessels. And therefore we also see more pressure on the modalities which are there. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you never miss an episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on your preferred app. Moving into the third week of the month, and good shipping markets are not necessarily good news for equipment manufacturers. While owners do have the money to pay for equipment, they are loath to take their vessels out of service for installations in dry dock when the ships could be on the water earning good money. And so is the story for ballast water treatment system retrofits ahead of the 2024 deadline for installations. Liv Kallestad, chief executive of Norwegian manufacturer Optimarin, told Seatrade Maritime News that although the company's order book is now significantly larger than it was this time last year, many ship owners are seeking to push installations out as far as possible. Staying with technology, the world's first fully electric, Autonomous container ship, the Yara Birkeland, was launched in Norway. The 120 TEU ship will cut emissions and reduce road transport by up to 40,000 truckloads per year while transporting fertilizer products from Yara's Porsgrund plant to Norway's Brevik and Larvik ports. 
The vessel will start manned commercial operations in 2022 with a two-year testing period for certification for autonomous operation. Earlier in this episode, I promised to tell you how many billions container lines made in the third quarter. By the fourth week of November, all the public listed container lines had reported their Q3 results, enabling analysts to estimate how much money the sector as a whole, both public and private, had made. The Macowan Container Results Observer estimated the profit of container shipping in Q3 at a whopping $48.1 billion. To put that in perspective, that's nearly 50% higher than Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google combined. The CrewConnect Global Virtual Week highlighted ongoing issues related to seafarers and the COVID-19 pandemic. Vaccination rates for seafarers remain well behind those of developed countries, and even once they are jabbed, recognition of their vaccinated status is a complex puzzle. Andreas Nordseth, Director General of the Danish Maritime Authority, commented. A big challenge that we are in for now is the recognition of vaccine certificates. Now, many places in the world, we're moving into third jab, so there will be something about international vaccine to get different kind of jabs. And we need to find a solution, I would say, in the early 22. How can seafarers actually document that they are sufficiently vaccinated? And that's something that we need to look at as well. Meanwhile, the much-anticipated meeting of the IMO's Marine Environment Protection Committee failed to satisfy the expectations of the shipping industry. Neither a commitment to net zero carbon emissions by 2050 or a $5 billion bunker levy-backed R&D fund for developing technology to decarbonize the industry were agreed. International Chamber of Shipping Secretary General Guy Platten described the events at the MEPC meeting as a missed opportunity. Governments can't keep kicking the can down the road. Every delay moves us further away from reaching pressing climate goals, he said. And that's all we have time for on this episode of Maritime in Minutes from the Maritime Podcast. To learn more about the stories mentioned in this episode, visit seatrade-maritime.com and sign up for our newsletter. Thank you for listening.